Amen. A lot of the Bible stories some of us have heard many, many times. And I don't know about you, but for me, I was in church when I was four days old, and I told this to our young people one day, and they were just shocked. Not that I was in church at four days old, but that I never left. (laughs) So in high school, I didn't leave. In college, I didn't leave. Young adult, I didn't leave. They just looked shocked. Because at a confirmation class, they asked, Pastor Blankman, when did you stop going to church? Uh, never. (laughs) But you know what? When I study and read the scripture, I still learn new things. And in fact, what I've discovered most recently is that Jesus is way more unexpected than we can imagine. We become so familiar with these stories or with these stories we think we know that sometimes we miss the Jesus right in front of us. And so this morning, I want to give us a little quick test, okay? Because the text this morning is actually about testing. Who do you think Jesus would align himself with if he were here today in this community in my community? Who do you think, in a common everyday story, Jesus would align himself with? A Presbyterian elder or a neighborhood woman known for marrying and living with several different men? (laughs) We laugh because we know that we wanna say the right answer but our hearts and our minds immediately go to, of course, the Presbyterian elder. How about a seminary professor of theology or a prostitute? Wow. How about a devout Christian pastor, not me, but like Tobin, or a follower, a leader in a fellowship of Baha'i. And if you don't know, Baha'i is sort of an eclectic, they kind of take the best out of every religion and they practice following Jesus too. How about this one? Buckle your seatbelt maybe. A white collar thief or an average hardworking blue collar worker. Flips the tables a little bit, doesn't it? But all these are real stories in the scripture with people, not of our culture and time, but of a much different culture and time. But in every case, in every one of these stories, I challenge you to look at them again because Jesus aligns himself with the person that you and I most likely would not want to be aligned with. He almost always surprises us. And if we look closer, in almost every biblical narrative story, there is way more there than you think. Way more. So this morning we're gonna look at the story of the Good Samaritan. And of course the common takeaway, we all know it, right? Treat everyone like a neighbor. Wait. 
There's way more than that in the story. Way more. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Listen to the voice of God in a story that is really unexpected. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, Ooh, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, told a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of of robbers. Hmm, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Oh Lord God, I pray that you would help us to have fresh ears, open eyes, and hearts that are open and undefensive to this word that is so unexpected, so much more than we think is here. Give us your grace and mercy to hear it, we pray. Amen. So, we have to understand there's way more here than meets the eye. And I want to help you see the way more, and I'm going to try to give you a couple of hooks so that even if it kind of isn't sinking in today, maybe later in the week or later in the month or year, you know the Lord, by the Spirit of God, can 20 years later say, ooh, I remember that just when we need it. But we're gonna understand the way more in here by looking at peculiarities and principles. We're gonna look at some of the peculiarities of this story, because there are some very peculiar things, if you pay attention. And we're gonna look at some principles. We're actually gonna try to apply them toward the end. So two Ps, if you need those kinds of hooks, there's two Ps here to remember just why this story is so exceptional, and way more than you could ever imagine. 
The first peculiarity is that this man comes and tests Jesus. Can you believe it? The story tells us this man had the audacity to come and try to test Jesus. And we know from story after story, usually the ulterior motive was to try to trip him up, to show, expose him as something less than what he claimed to be. This man tries to test Jesus. He asks Jesus a question. Lord, teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Very peculiar, given that this is the context of an expert in the law who knows the law very, very well, and a teacher who has come saying that he fulfills the law. Jesus, second peculiarity, tests him. I love that Jesus is so cool and calm, gracious and patient. These are not my virtues, by the way. He doesn't go for the jugular. He doesn't go into sermon mode. He asks a question. This, by the way, is a skill we could all learn to use a lot. When someone comes to test us or challenge us in our faith or our beliefs, rather than firing back with an answer, to ask a question. So Jesus tests the lawyer. He returns the question back to him. He says, well, what does the law say? Well, how do you read it? This lawyer must have all of a sudden straightened his collar and go, wow, I'm gonna really show him now. By heart, without looking it up, he quotes verse and line from the Old Testament, from the Torah. Wow, impressive, on the spot. He's tested by the one who's testing him. Jesus turns the tables and says, how do you read it? Jesus says, you've done well. Just, just go do that. Uh-oh. Trouble. Not in just River City, in every city. Trouble. So the lawyer is going to test Jesus again. It says because he wants to do what? What did the text say? Did you pay attention? He wants to justify himself. Here is exposed the real agenda here. He's not interested in learning from the teacher. He's not interested in knowing what Jesus really believes, thinks, and is teaching. He wants to justify himself. He wants to prove how good he is. So he asks this question. Oh, it's all well and good, of course, that is what the law says, but after all, who is my neighbor? How can I possibly know that I'm going to get eternal life if you're saying love my neighbor? How do I know who my neighbor is? Jesus does answer him this time. Patiently, but not with a one-word answer. He tells a story. How often I wonder if when we're challenged about what we believe, I wonder how much more effective it would be if rather than debating or giving answers, we told a story, maybe our story. Like we heard this story from this man this morning about his experience needing 
a Christian friend to pray. Jesus is a master of this. He tells a story, and we read this story. You know what it is. He tells this very commonly well-known story in churches and Sunday school about a man who's left for dead by robbers by the side of the road, probably in a ditch. And three people come along and see him there. A priest, a pastor, let's say. A Levite, let's say an elder. And the third one is a Samaritan is a non-church-going, maybe Baha'i-believing, maybe not, maybe a nun. You know what a nun is? Not N-U-N, but an N-O-N-E. None of the above that they answer, what is your faith, what is your religion? The largest growing segment of our culture today, the nuns. People who have said, I don't want it, I don't need it, I'm fine, thank you very much. But a nun comes along, sees the person, not only helps them then and there, but you know the story. And Jesus says to the seminary theological professor who acted neighborly, Now get this, Jesus changes the question, doesn't he? He doesn't say who is the neighbor in the story, he says who acted like a neighbor. This is the way more, this is peculiar. The answer should have been, well, the man in the ditch was the neighbor, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 who acted like a neighbor in the story? Who followed the law in the story? Who did what God said to do in the story? And it's the nun. Not the religious folks. Not the trained people. Not the ones who you would expect it. It's the person, the people, despised by the religious. Despised by the theologians. Despised by the synagogue goers. It's that person that Jesus points to and says, this is where eternal life happens. That, my friends, is a mind blower. That is way more than we ever thought this story was about. Way more than we thought this story was ever about. These peculiarities, Jesus tests them again, these peculiarities ought to make us sit up and pay attention. There's more here than meets the eye. There's so much more to the story if we just sit with it a while. And that brings us to the principles. What are the principles of this unexpected, more than we think story that we can take away today? It's not just that we gotta look for people who maybe we don't think are our neighbors and treat them like neighbors. No, no, no. If you understand the mindset of this lawyer, teacher who came to Jesus, if you know how radical it was that Jesus says to that legal expert, religious, theological teacher, knower of the Torah, upstanding person in the community and synagogue, he says to him, you've gotta pay more attention. 
You've got to look at this story more deeply because the principles are very clearly two here, and this is what the way more is all about. Every person we encounter is our neighbor, is an opportunity for us to act in the way that God calls us to act. Every person we encounter is potentially a neighbor that we need to respond to. This is the part we take away pretty easily, although we still have questions we ask to justify ourselves. I know I should, but I really, I really, you know, I gotta be somewhere in 10 minutes. Church. Ouch. A committee meeting. I know I should stop and talk to this person, probably find out what's going on, but I got a committee meeting in 10 minutes. I got to go. Or here's a great one coming up. The Super Bowl is on. Only happens once a year. The Lord will certainly understand. What will people think if I sit with this person? What will happen to me? Maybe it's dangerous. So the opportunity of every person we need potentially being a neighbor that God wants to interrupt our whatever life and say, pay attention to this. That's not the surprising part. That principle we kind of got, we still try to justify ourselves, we still try to have exception clauses about what that means. The second principle is the one that's the deal breaker. Jesus says to this learned, theological, teacher, lawyer, upstanding citizen, religious person in the community, you can learn from that Samaritan. You're kidding. Yeah. You know what the Samaritan was to the Jew? Unsavable. Unworthy of God's grace. Untouchable absolutely out of it, theologically lost, spiritually not retrievable. And yet, Jesus says, you, Mr. Famous Jew Man, you could learn from this Samaritan because it's way more than you think. It's not who's your neighbor, it's who around you is acting like a neighbor to others. And spoiler alert, in this story we don't look so good. The religious, the educated, the in the place of power and authority spiritually, we look bad. And I'm sorry, this is what is really changed my own spiritual life the last few years. It's not the exception. It's the rule. Read the stories. We look bad. Every person we encounter an opportunity, every, even the people we despise or look down on, may teach us how to act. Even the people we think are godless, if we pay attention and listen to their stories, 
God just may teach us how to be more like Jesus. Is that not a shocker? See, I don't know about you, maybe none of you ever did this, but when I read the Bible stories, I used to see myself as Jesus. You know, I'm the good person. I know it. I got it down. I'm always going around doing good. And some of these other stories, the first time I taught them in this discipleship curriculum we've developed, I, my knees began to shake. My voice began to quake a little bit because for the first time I saw myself with Mary Magdalene and, and Simon. I saw myself as Simon. Oh God, help me not be Simon. Standing back saying, oh Jesus, if you knew who that was, you would not go near them. You would not align yourself with that woman if you knew who she was. Oh wow. Let me close with a story. A true story. His name was Glenn Frazier. He was a colonel in the Navy, World War II. And he was a prisoner of war for three and a half years. And he came out barely alive, hating the Japanese. In fact, he told me this with his own lips, he told me when I was interviewing him. He hated the Japanese so much, it cost him three marriages, and he was estranged from all five of his children. This is what he said, and I quote, I cannot be in a relationship with someone who does not hate the Japanese as much as I do. Glenn Frazier was about 78 years old, I think, when he met his match. He did get married again. I don't know how that happened, but he did. His wife was a devout Christian, and she was involved with a foreign exchange student program through their church. You're gonna get this, I can tell you're gonna get what's gonna happen here, right? So she invited him, begged him, please just go to this banquet, it's the end of the year, I want you to go to this banquet with me, we're just gonna honor the foreign exchange students in the school, and it'd just be great, I'd love to have you go. You don't have to do anything but just eat dinner. So he agreed to go. Mistake. He agreed to go. And one of the foreign exchange students, guess where she was from? Japan. And she knew ahead of time Glenn's story. He wrote a book called Hell's Guest. And she went to her sponsor teacher and asked if she might give Glenn a gift before the end of the evening. And the teacher agreed. So just before everybody started leaving and uh, the place was empty, this young Japanese student comes up to Glenn Fraser and says, please, sir, would you wait just one moment? I have a gift for you. I don't know how he responded to that, but I'm sure his mind was blown. She went into the kitchen, came out with a basin and a towel. I can't tell the story got down on her hands and knees and said, please forgive my people for what they did to you. And I want to wash your feet. Took off his shoes, 
washed his feet and said, Jesus is the reason. This is what he did for those who crucified him. Do you think Glenn Fraser's life was changed that night? Because not only did he have someone treat him like a neighbor, it was a person that he despised that did it. Treated him like a neighbor, was neighborly toward him. Never the same. He got married and last I talked to him, his marriage was still working. (laughs) And he started building relationships with his children. He came to know the Lord as his Lord and Savior. And just the very end of his book talks about it, but he travels around the country telling this story. It's way more than you think. It's way more than you think. I love some of these songs you sang today because it's all about the unexpected way that Jesus enters into real people's lives every single day and sometimes in the most unexpected places and with the most unexpected people. The principles are simple but profoundly difficult because it's easy for me to see who you despise. It's harder for me to see who I despise. Despise should be despised. (laughs) Right? Len, we're always the exception, right? No, never the exception. Jesus is the exceptional person of grace and mercy and extends it to every person without merit, without deserving, and that's what we are to do also. In that night before he was crucified, when he ate the supper with them, Judas sat nearby, and the scripture tells us he gave that sop, the honored piece of bread, to Judas first, saying, Judas, even you, even you, So, let's pray that we never read these stories with just, I know what this says. Every time you open your Bibles, you ought to be shaking. What might God reveal to me today that I don't want to do? (laughs) I'm just being very honest here, right? (laughs) I'm not a, I can be compliant, but it's not the main way I go. Jesus invites us to read these stories and please, way more than that, he's here now. He's in your home, he's in your office place, he's in your school building, he's on the street, he's in the market. He's everywhere still alive doing this, aligning himself with people that nobody wants to align themselves with. And we ought to be doing the same thing. Not trying to justify ourselves with our schedules and time and all our very important religious work we do but aligning ourselves with people who most of the world does not want to align themselves with. The people who have hurt me, discouraged me, troubled me, maybe even, remember that song, lied about me. Oh Lord Jesus, might this word sink deep into our souls 
And might it not just be a story that we know a little more about, might it be a story that interrupts our lives? Might you interrupt our lives? Might you be the unexpected Jesus asking from us way more than we can imagine, but also giving us everything we need to respond to that way more? Oh Lord God, take this your offering of your word and make it live. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, please stand with us as we close.